I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. The veteran, Davy Gordon, who's emerged victorious in 88 fights while losing 9 and drawing 2. Gordon's long career, he's now 29, has been one long promise without fulfillment, at least thus far. As hard a puncher as they come, a clever boxer, he's been played by a weak chin and the unlucky knack of being at his worst for the big ones. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm Lewis. And we are here to talk about Stanley Kubrick. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. But this week, we continue our 2023 director retrospective on Stanley Kubrick. We are going to watch chronologically the films of Kubrick and discuss them in detail each week. This week, we are discussing Killer's Kiss from 1955. After watching last week uh, his first three short documentaries and his first feature film, Fear and Desire, Killer's Kiss is... You'll have to wait. (laughs) until we get to that part of the show you might be thinking man that was a nasty trick but that's show business (laughs) stay tuned to hear our thoughts Uh, in the meantime go to our social media channels give us a follow uh, while you're listening we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok even and YouTube we've got some extra content on there, some fun clips and things, clips from the shows, episodes. Um, And if you're new to the show, this is a film church, of course, so we post episodes every Sunday. Uh, And if you really love the show, please share it with your friends and give us a rating and review. Uh, So before we discuss the film, we like to do what we call the trailer section, where we discuss other films we've been watching besides the main feature. Uh, we have one here that Lewis and I have both seen, a recent film, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story. So I think we're going to get into that first, and then we'll get into our individual watches. Um, what did, what's up, Lewis? Welcome back. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um, Perfect. How was Glass Onion? I really like Glass Onion. Um, nice. I like the first, um, but I feel with these kind of films, it's hard to go back and want to rewatch them. Once you know who did it, um, it's hard to, you know, want to go back and kind of relive that story. Enjoy them the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I was looking forward to this because the last one, like I said, I really liked and I kind of liked the continuation and I liked the characters. And um, and yeah, I had a great time with it. It's It's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's the direction it's going is a lot more twisty turny and more, yeah. you know, kind of, I like the fact that it didn't give you all the facts up front, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there was a lot there to kind of keep your attention throughout. It's really hard to talk about this without giving away any kind of spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like anything that happens after the first 10 minutes is a spoiler. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the characters are really good. Dave Batista, I thought, was a standout with the supporting cast. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, it's a series that I'm enjoying a lot, and I'm glad that Netflix have given, you know, Brian Johnson so much money to keep making these films. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that they're not getting a better theatrical release, but um, on the whole, it's a good film. I loved it a lot. Yeah. I wasn't quite as hot on it. Um, yeah. I think I liked the first one better. I, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was a bad film, but I think I just, it, it got overhyped for me where I expected a little more. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people when it was, you know, it had a limited theatrical le- release. So I, I saw a few people's comments when it was in theaters, you know, saying yeah. like, oh my God, this is a great, like, did Ryan Johnson like make this in the last few months? Cause it's so relevant. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I expected a little more in terms of relevance, I guess, but then it just seemed kind of, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it just never really, I mean, I kind of enjoyed it, but it just didn't get me the way I think the first one did. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, my girlfriend sent me this um, tweet that somebody posted um, that says glass onion originated from the Beatles song glass onion from their white album. It means overanalyze something that is not intended to mean anything more than what it is. The entire point of glass, the glass onion song was to poke fun at all the people who had looked for deep messages in previous Beatles songs. And then the, critical debunker or no wait i'm sorry the critical drinker i don't know who that is somebody on twitter uh (laughs) said glass onion may be one of the most triumphantly uh defiantly stupid movies i've ever seen how it somehow fooled people into thinking it was a smart complex mystery is absolutely baffling um and i think that's kind of how i felt (laughs) Is that I, it fooled me into thinking it was like more complex than it was. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of supposed to be fun. Um, yeah. Because there's parts of it that just were so over the top that I was like, really? Like, how am I supposed to take this seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's hard to say. I don't want to. If you go on my letterbox, you can see specifically what I'm talking about. Um at Somascope, uh, because I I left a comment on there, a little review, um, but, and that was kind of the main thing that bothered me, was this moment that was so over the top that I was like, really, come on, but other than that, I mean, I I I enjoyed it, you know, I, it probably sounds like I didn't, but yeah, um, I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's just I think I was expecting more. Yeah. And that's a shame. Yeah, I, I, I know where you're kind of coming from. Um, but I do think I'd probably watch this m- more than the other one. Really? Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. Christopher Plummer. He was pretty great. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, um, and it, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like this series. I, I like that it's kind of. 
you know, I'm a big fan of the murder mystery stuff that Agatha Christie wrote. Um, you know, grew up watching those kind of BBC dramas. So anything like this is just a big thumbs up from me. I love the the murder yeah. mystery aspect and returning detectives to you know to solve the mystery and uh, new locations. It's just a. I think you're right though. I think with the you know looking for deeper meaning. I mean, it's just a fun. Who done it? You know, me yeah. like Chelsea and I were both guessing throughout, and um, and the story doesn't necessarily go the way you think it's gonna go. Yeah. So it yeah. was fun to be like, oh, wait a minute, like that. This isn't where I thought we were gonna go at all. Now my whole theory is, you know, shot to pieces. Yeah. Um, but I think most of that is purposefully done. I mean, yeah, all exactly. of it is obviously purposefully done, but it's it is done to allude to this class onion. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did you see what was the other Agatha Christie movie? The Nile, the death. Uh, oh yeah, Death on the Nile. Yeah, that was earlier in twenty twenty two, right? Or something. I think or yeah, it, it was about a year, year ago. Yeah, um, yeah, we did watch it. I mean, a lot of people looking very beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's it's not it's not great. I don't think any of the 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 Kenneth Branagh Poirot films have been amazing. Yeah. Um but I mean they've they've signed on to do another one. The the prepping it right now I think and this is yeah. like a, a deeper dive. So I'm hoping if it's not one that I'm as familiar with it might be a little bit better. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think you know, it's it's following the same route of getting a lot of famous people together and yeah. and just having murder you know, mystery. Just, yeah, exactly. And hey, I'm here for it. I can happily yeah. sit and eat popcorn and and have a nice soda and watch that and for two hours. You know that's mm-hmm. that's fine by me. Yeah, I would love to see another like Seth Rogen movie where he's just playing himself, kind of like this is the end, but murder yeah. mystery with celebrities. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels like missing a trick, huh? It, it should have been done by now. Yeah, and, and now that I say that, I'm like, did I see a trailer recently where they're doing that? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's ripe for the taking and the making. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but what else have you been watching? So, yeah, so um, you know me. I love Sight and Sound, and they did their top 2022 films, um, which is, you know, last last year I think it was the Souvenir Part 2 won it for 2021. And this yes. year it was a film called After Sun, um, directed by Charlotte Wells, um, first time feature film director um, from from the UK um, about uh, a young girl and her father going on holiday together in the 90s. Um, and it is the most breathtaking thing I've ever seen. Um, I cannot say how much I love this film. Like I cannot put it into words. Yeah, um, it was just the most beautifully told story. It none of it is ever um, presented to you um, up front. I feel like it makes the the viewer do a lot of work, but you come out of it feeling like you know the whole story. If that makes yeah. sense, there's so much in there that's just like that's hidden or like alluded to, um, but it's just told in such a wonderful way. Um, yeah. And it, it got to the point, I mean, it ends and it was the first time probably ever 
where it took me the length of the credits to stop crying and to compose myself enough to like speak. Holy I had to moly. just sit there and like just calm myself down. It was just yeah. the most, you know, moving piece of cinema I've seen for a long time. Um, and I'm not someone that like that laughs a lot at movies. You know, my emotions stay pretty kind of standard throughout, I would say. Um, so my barometer of this, something makes me cry, you know, it, 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 um, it's made me feel something. Um, and this has made me cry. Like I've never cried before watching a film. Wow. Yeah. Um, everyone should go and watch it right now <laughs> after you've listened to the podcast, of course, yeah. but, <laughs> turn off the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think you'll see, um, a better first feature from a director. Wow. To the point where I actually just I went back and I watched all her short films. Yeah. That she had yeah. made because I was just like, I just need to see more of this. Yeah. You That's know. amazing. Yeah. Um, cool. And it's been on my to watch list for a while, and I'm just so glad that I finally managed to tick it off. So Yeah. Is it streaming yeah. anywhere? So it is available to rent and purchase from Apple TV. Um I watched it via the UK movie site they had a a deal on i think it was around christmas where you could get three months for like two pound okay um so i signed up for that and they've got a decision to leave which is on my to watch list and then this was this came on it as well um so i watched it through there and yeah i'm gonna go back and watch it again as soon as possible sweet i'm gonna check it out um and then another film from 2022 that i didn't like as much uh crimes of the future uh Cronenberg's latest from last year um I it just didn't do it for me I don't know if I've just not done a big enough dive into Cronenberg for this to work um I've only really seen Videodrome and the Fly um and this was very um weird um but in like a good way like it worked you know it wasn't like weird to the point where it lost me completely i was gripped by it yeah it just i just don't know if i if i feel like some of the metaphors were very like torture i just i was like okay i know like i get it i get it you know yeah and it wasn't i don't think it was as interesting or as um i don't know entertaining as i wanted it to be um it's not super long, but I did find myself kind of looking at the running time quite a lot. Mm, um, yeah. But I, I know that, you know, probably more Cronenberg under my belt and a little bit more of an understanding of him as a as a whole. I probably enjoy it more, but it just didn't work for me this time, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, but I still, I've, I've recently bought Scanners, so I want to watch that. And I know there's, you know, a few others, a few biggies that I haven't watched either. So I'm going to try and... Uh, not those off as well, and then maybe come back to Crimes of the Future in a in a year or two and, and see how I feel about it then. Yeah, he's somebody that I haven't really gotten into, um, but I would I would like to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just haven't haven't ever done mm. it. I was maybe expecting it to be a bit more of a body horror than it was. It seemed to be a bit more about the people. You yeah, know? Um, whereas the fly is like. <laughs> like disgusting <laughs> yeah <laughs> in the best way so um yeah I, I don't know maybe just didn't get what i was wanting from it um uh, this time but but that's okay not every film is going to work perfectly 
Yeah, um, exactly. And the last one I'll talk about, uh, Five Easy Pieces from 1970. Uh, Jack Nicholson, um, kind of one of the films that's included in the kind of the, the new Hollywood, the start of the start of that. Um, Jack Nicholson plays kind of like a blue collar guy who's actually from quite a wealthy background and, and goes home to visit his father who's uh, who's had a stroke and and yeah, just about you know, life and trying to become your own person and not being happy with who you are and um yeah, packed a lot into it. Not not a lot that I was expecting from it. Uh and it was just a very well told story with a with a very good ending. Um an ending that is kind of up there now for like my favorite last shots. Um Yeah. But it, it's a it's a really good film. And I know that Zach, um our friend who we've had on the show a few times, um we were talking about it together and he said that he really, really liked that film. So um, that was why I watched it recently and I really liked it too. So sweet. feel like I make up because I know he liked <clears throat> Crimes of the Future as well. So yeah. sorry, Zach, didn't like that, but I did really like Five Easy Pieces. So <laughs> cool. please forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> Repent. What a- <laughs> That's it. Amen. What about you, Brennan? What have you been watching? Um... So I, over the holidays, watched all of the Mission Impossible movies, with the exception of the second one. Um, and uh, yeah, just had a blast. I had to I had to work a lot. That's so fun. Um, so I didn't get to visit family as much. So I just literally like just sat and watched all these movies that were, man, so good, like so fun. Yeah, yeah. All of them are just so fun. Um, yeah, and the the third one kind of reboots it, I feel like, a little bit. You know, kind of gets it going. Yeah. Um, in this new era, I guess. Um, I mean, it introduces Simon Pegg, for one. Mm. And that's the one that Abrams did, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing. I feel like it just kind of dialed it up a little bit, and then the the fourth one Brad Bird did... And he, what I think what Brad Bird did was was kind of introduce this um, the team aspect of it a little better, like the family, like this team being uh, like a tight fam, tight uh, friend group, you know. Yeah. It it almost it almost kind of made me laugh because I was like, because there's a one one part. It's either in the fourth or the fifth one where, um, um, oh my God, Jeremy Renner is like, yeah, anything for friends, right? You know, or something like that. <laughs> he has a line that's like, yeah, for friends, right? And I was like, this is like a uh, a better version or or kind of adjacent to the Fast and the Furious movies, yeah. like for family. As, <laughs> as soon, yeah, as soon as you mentioned family. Um, and a non-conventional family, I was like, yeah, Vin Diesel would be all over that. Yeah. He'd be so um, happy. But, you know, like these movies like really hold up. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of kind of wild. Um, and yeah. especially like like whenever, you know, Top Gun Maverick came out last year and, and there was um, stuff going around about Tom Cruise being a big Buster Keaton fan. And, of course, you and I talked about Buster Keaton yeah. a lot last year when we watched Sherlock Jr. for Film Church Radio. 
And I think ever since like I kind of learned that like uh, my uh, enjoyment of these movies has gone up. I I mean I yeah. always enjoyed going to see them in the theater. Like I always always remembered like coming out of the theater being like that was really good. Yeah. But now like connecting it with like Buster Keaton, I think really makes sense because when you think about Buster Keaton or even Charlie Chaplin it's like they kind of played the same characters over and over again they kind of had their own franchises in a way um, where they would play these characters over and over again like uh, you know Buster Keaton was the the stone face and Charlie Chaplin was the the tramp Um, and they so they kind of played these same characters but you could see in today's you know if they were around in today's world they would be doing yeah Mission Impossible 29 or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just playing these characters over and over again but but delivering it, you know what I mean? Like delivering a great experience, a great movie, a you know, something that continues to <laughs> to blow your mind or push the yeah. boundaries cuz Buster Keaton was a, a guy who just, you know, did like did all these crazy stunts on camera and that's like what Tom Cruise is doing. Yeah. Um, and when you get to the Christopher McQuarrie films, <laughs> man, yeah. it just, yeah. it just freaking, it just ramps yeah. up. Yeah. It's like that, yeah. that fifth movie opens with him, like hanging on to a plane. Yeah. I mean, this is my point. So at the moment they're ramping up for, for, is it seven? Seven. Number seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're showing a lot of footage of him like jumping out of planes, riding motorbikes off of bridges. Um, and I was like, in the when we got number five, they, I can remember the trailer dropping and seeing him hanging onto the side of the airplane. And yeah. you were like, oh my God, this is going to be like the climax, the most incredible end to a film I've ever seen. And it's in the th- first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, if, yeah. they're, if they're showing us this footage... What have they got planned that they can't show us? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, that that motorcycle thing yeah. of him going off the cliff that they've been advertising, that's got to be in the beginning. Yeah, like that's gonna be the opener. You know what I mean? And that's what I yeah. love is like it, it just opens and like blows your mind. Yeah, um, yeah. And the sixth one is just incredible. Like mm. all around, like you know, I I love the fact. Well, I don't love, I mean, he broke his ankle. You know, I don't love the fact yeah. that he broke his ankle. But I love the fact that, like, the shot of him breaking his angle, ankle was, like, a oneer, Like, it was a really yeah. long oneer. It was, like, it, it was the perfect, like, if you're going to break your ankle in this movie, it was the perfect shot to do it on. Because the yeah. way that they were able to keep this shot of him, like, of yeah. course, like, you break your ankle for this movie, you're going to put it in the movie. And it yeah. was, like, the perfect, shot for them to be able to do yeah. it and cut it together you know with with footage however long you know later i think it was mm-hmm. a couple months later that they had to, they had to let him heal um <laughs> yeah it's just wild man just it's wild um, yeah we love them we go back to them quite regularly i mean we always start with like three um like you said that's kind of like the reboot where it kind of restarts and philip seymour hoffman is a very very good bad guy um, yeah. which i like a lot um but yeah they're they're great and i think that's the problem that um the james bond franchise has now is that you can't really compete with them you know yeah um they need to do something different and fresh i mean i've got an idea 
for the Bond franchise that I think it would work pretty well, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's not up to me, unfortunately. You've, you've yet to pitch it. Yeah, maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, just yeah. Apparently, they're taking interviews for casting, so they must have some kind of idea of where they want to go. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, and I mean, Mission Impossible One and Two, I do have a soft spot for because I watched them as a as a child. Like I remember seeing the first one, watching it with my family, and it was just, it was just a blast. Like that, you know, it was just everything like a a kid would love like you know the yeah. the bubblegum bomb and that kind of <laughs> stuff was just like i just remember thinking it was so cool and then the second one you know with the i i, I can't remember if if they do the mask i think they have the masks in the first one but the second one they <laughs> they use them a lot more and yeah. it's all about this virus and you know it's good for a kid like it was fun for a yeah. kid yeah. Um it opens with him like climbing like on the side of this cliff or whatever and um yeah, I just like I I I do I do remember liking that one a lot as a kid, but I haven't gone back to the second one in a while. We'll yeah. see if I I do and if I enjoy it or not, but I'm sure I will at some point. Yeah. But yeah, um wow, I just talked about the Mission Impossible movies for a while. I also watched a couple other movies. Should I talk about them or save them for next week? What do you think? It's up to you. All right, I'll talk about them. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity. Yeah. Um, I watched Identity from 2003, mm. uh, which is a movie that I've heard about for a long time and and has been record, recommended to me several times based on the movies that I like. And uh, finally got around to watching it. Um, have you ever seen it? I haven't. I was actually just going to look it up now. Yeah, um, um, John Cusack, uh, Ray, Ray Liotta, mm. um, John Hawks, Amanda Peet, Alfred Molina. Nice, um, Doc Hawk himself. Yeah, um, and lots of other people. But directed by James <coughs> Mangold, who mm-hmm. is uh, doing the new indie, indie, what is it, five? Yeah. Coming yeah. out soon. Um, also did Logan and the Wolverine movie. Um, but anyway, he, um, yeah, this movie identity, it's like a mystery thriller, very, a lot of Hitchcock vibes. Um, but it's like a psychological thriller. So it's got like some twists and stuff. I think you would enjoy it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I like this period of John Cusack's career as well, like the early yeah. noughties. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. And Added it to my watch list. And it, yeah, it's the kind of movie, it's like, you know, we were talking about frailty a couple of weeks ago. It's yeah. like this era, like the, this kind of mystery thriller was very popular. And, uh, and so I think a lot of the, a lot of them, got lost because there's so many good ones around this time but this this one is really good awesome awesome um, and then i also watched bardo a false chronicle yeah. of a handful of truths which is on netflix and it is the new alejandro g in film uh of course he directed um the revenant and birdman yeah. that he won back-to-back directors oscars for 
Um, and this is his new film, I guess first film since Revenant. And mm-hmm. I went into this film ready to be just disappointed. Cause I was like, yeah. how are you, how are you going to do Birdman yeah. and Revenant? And then and do, follow and it then, up with something else. Yeah, yeah. Follow it up with something else that, that I'm going to be like, that was amazing. Especially because uh, this isn't really a spoiler because this is the opening of the movie. So I, I don't think it's going to spoil it too much. Opening of the movie is this guy who's like kind of flying. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, come on. Like, and she got something else like she got a bigger imagination than another flying guy. Yeah. Like, I love another bird man. Yeah. Um and then and then something else that was like quickly turning me off was um the the use of wide angle lenses, which like mm. I love wide angle lenses as much as the next guy, but it's a definite <laughs> style choice, you know? And like you know, he did that for Birdman. He did that for The Revenant. Um, Guillermo del Toro also has been using a lot of wide-angle lenses. Like, he did The Shape of Water and uh, his recent movie... Nightmare Alley. Yeah, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, both had a similar look with kind of wide-angle lenses, whereas Alejandro is using even wider lenses. But... um yeah, I mean, I also like a lot of Alejandro's earlier films. Um, twenty, like I like Twenty One Grams a lot. Yeah. Um, Amores Peros is really good. So I think I'm, I think I'm longing for like a a style similar to his early career, whereas mm-hmm. he's kind of moved on, which which you do yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Um. So. So the fact that it, you know, there's like all these wide, super wide angle lenses. And when I say wide angle, I mean, it's like the closest thing you can get to VR without being VR, you know? So it's like super wide where the edges are distorted. And, and like I said, it's a definite style choice. So going into this, I'm like, yeah, it's a cool look, but you kind of like, like, do you need to do every yeah. film like this? Like, like, yeah. I don't know how this film is going to prove to me that this is the way that it should have been shot. And yeah. man, by the end of it, I was like, there's absolutely no other way you could have done that movie. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like five out of five stars. The movie had me wow. crying. Like wow. it is an absolutely amazing, beautiful film. Like, wow. Holy smokes. It was good. Man. Another one top <laughs> to the list. Knocking yeah. out the part today. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to get I mean, I hope it's going to get nominated for stuff cuz it it uh if I had seen it before our episode, it 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 probably would have been one of my favorite. Wow. Yeah. Uh films of 2022, although I I I don't know. It it's a hard it's a hard choice between this yeah. and everything everywhere all at once, but man, this is it's a good movie. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So, check it out, people. Um, <laughs> but now I think we're we're finally there. We finally reached our feature presentation. Killer's Kiss from 
Are you laughing at the letterbox summary? <laughs> yes. It's so wrong again. Like, their <laughs> design like, made why? no sense. Why? But like, no I want to say this in like a country accent because it's so like ridiculous. Her soft <laughs> mouth was the road to sin smeared violence. Like, what? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, the film revolves around Danny Gordon, a 29-year-old welterweight, which I don't know what that is, New York boxer in the end of his career, and his relationship with a dancer and her violent employer. Um, yeah, what I was going to say at the beginning of the show was, holy smokes, this film is leaps and bounds beyond yeah. the previous works. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like, I probably yeah. would have torn the last film apart more if I had if you knew this was known cool. this was so <laughs> good. Like, comparatively, yeah. like, geez. Like, it it's a quick hour and seven minutes or something. It, yeah. it feels like it could be longer based, you yeah. know, just based on like how much you, how fun it is, how much you experience while watching it, I guess. Um, you know, it's it's an all around like like by the end of it, I was like, OK, this is like Stanley Kubrick showing he can make an all around good movie. You know, he yeah. can make you know, he can make your standard popcorn flick, happy ending, gets the girl, you know, on the edge yeah. of your seat action um, kind of movie. Now, will he continue doing that? No, but he's proven that he can do it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, what else do you need to do after that? It's like once you've made this movie, you don't have to like make it again. I don't think. Yeah. You know, and he yeah. might make it again with the next one. I don't know yet. We'll find out next week. But, hmm. dang, I loved it. Good. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I love noir films. Um, so in terms of like, is it a good noir? Yeah, it's fine. I think that is it a good like second film? It's really good second film. Um, it's I think um, it hides the the lack of budget really well, whereas Fear and Desire I don't feel did for the majority. It's just kind of in the woods, you know. Um, whereas yeah. this just feel like a um, like a studio film. You know, the sets mm. there's like out on location shooting. There's uh, there's a mixture of it all. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it. It was really good. I think the only, like, some of the downsides for me was that it seemed to tread water in some places. It was like the the story happened so quickly. You know, there wasn't a lot more to it. Um, so there was, you know, the about two or three times where it kind of treads water for five ten minutes, and then we carry on, and then it treads yeah. water, and then we carry on. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to judge. There, There is a lot of stuff I love about this movie, and it's hard for me to yeah. say if it's, like, because I just watched a bunch of terrible stuff <laughs> that yeah. he did yeah. that I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. But I don't think it's just that because, like, well, I do like film noir, you know. Yeah. I like the setting, you know, the story of a boxer. You know, the beginning, like, well, and also I've already seen some Kubrick stuff that is that is very dark. And uh, so I think because I wasn't sure 
and even his previous film gets dark, you know what I mean? Like, and disturbing. So there's parts of this film that I wasn't sure if it was going to be, you know, your regular popcorn movie, you know, happy ending kind of thing. So I think part of that kept me on the edge of my seat because I was like, is everybody going to die? Like, what's going to happen? You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was going into a blind, but like, I, I like, I like seeing this world, you know, I like seeing New York in the yes, 50s and the you know, the the wardrobes and the the lighting and the mise-en-scene, you know, is is all it's fun to be around. So immediately when this movie started, I was like, "Oh yes, I'm in. Let's yeah. like this yeah. is cool." Um you get a really cool shot in the beginning where he's like looking in the fishbowl, you know, so yeah. it's already you're already getting some like create like fun creative shots in here. Um and then you've got this it, it's a situation where, you know, this sexy man is living in this apartment and this sexy woman is living in this apartment right across from him. Yeah. Uh <laughs> kind of situation so they can like see each other through their windows. Yeah. But then <laughs> it it it's like a female gaze. Like you see her looking at him through the window, which mm. I don't think yeah. you normally see or maybe yeah. you don't notice as much. Um, so that was kind of interesting to me. Um, I don't know. There's, there's just so much stuff about this movie that I like, like the, the weird rear projection in the boxing gym. <laughs> it's like weird, That's... but it was like, it was like, so, that's not rear projection it's not how how what is it so yeah i mean i I read this in it's the same as in the is in the train station as well when he's at grand central it looks like the background is fake um especially on the close-ups when he's like walking back and forth so what they did is they lit they they lit the the foreground and then lit the background as like like duller tones so it just has that like look of a you know of a of a green screen but it, it's not i mean it doesn't make any sense because the angle is so weird I know. like it looks I know. like he's walking into a screen it doesn't look like he's yeah. walking on the floor yeah it's crazy um but yeah though apparently they were just they were shot on location and just um lit really weird and that is weird yeah. but it's like i still don't mind it you know yeah it's like because no, exactly, it, yeah. it fits that style of movie you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean like you know, when Quentin Tarantino was doing his homage to film noir and Pulp Fiction, he did rear projection in the taxi yeah. with Bruce Willis, you know, to make it yeah. have that feel or whatever. So the fact that um, it still feels that way without actually doing that is like fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love the sound design. Like there's a couple of yeah. of really good sound design moments like when he's about to go on the fight and <laughs> they're like getting him ready and they're like moving his face around and stuff and it's like mostly mm-hmm. silent but they added all these sound effects that are just like you know the the squishing face and like yeah. you know it's just like <laughs> yeah. over the top but it's like it's like in, yeah, I don't know. It, it adds so much to the scene, I think. I'm glad you brought that up because um, one of the things that really stood out to me when reading about this was his Kubrick's attention to detail, even this early on. You know, we'll yeah. get to more of the, like his neurotic kind of ridiculous attention to detail. Um, 
but some of the the soundtrack and the sound effects were kind of added in post um and kubrick did it himself and there's um apparently he spent so much time making sure that all the footsteps and the like shoe slides would just were perfect yeah so that when people were walking it's like it was correct you know for the right shoes apparently it took him a long time to make sure all that was correct in post um which just shows like that attention to the sounds that you hear and you know the whole just the whole film it's not just about the image it's about what you hear it's about yeah you know, exactly um what you feel you know it's the whole package yeah exactly and that that really that comes in so many times in this movie and i think that's yeah. what i like about it cuz it just kept engaging me or like switching it up and 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 yeah. playing with all the different senses cuz um you know the the beginning is is fun but it's like pretty standard film noir stuff but yeah. then when you get to like then all of a sudden it cuts to a like film negative going down the streets of New York and it's like it's like wait what's happening and then you hear a woman yeah. scream and yeah. then it goes into the, and then it just kind of ramps up all of a sudden mm. um so before you have time to kind of like settle in your seat it like it jumps you out of it, it and you're goes. like oh no what's happening what's yeah. going to happen i thought that she was going to get murdered right at the beginning cuz it's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because of the title killer's yeah. kiss you know it was going to be like he's got to solve the the murder of the woman across the the window yeah, or whatever. he gets framed for it and, or something yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um yeah there was so many directions this could have gone but um yeah so then I mean, that I, happens go ahead yeah i was gonna say for the first 15 minutes before we move on like with the boxing match did it remind you of anything we've watched already i mean yeah yeah, yeah. the the flying <laughs> padre just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, the the day of the fight. I mean, for yeah. one thing, they they use the same shot that I said I yeah. liked, where he's like shooting through the stool or whatever, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, yeah. There's the but scene the in the fight... mirror where he's kind of playing with his face and yeah, and he um, does the nose thing. He like yeah. presses his nose down, right? Yeah, and there's um, the the like the advertisements on on the street, you know, for the fight that is pretty much lifted straight from there. I think that the, especially going into film noir because it is. Uh, a genre heavily um, dotted with boxes and and that kind of world. Um, yeah, it's a it's a natural progression from from the photography to the documentaries to this is a like if this was the first feature film, it would have just been a perfect through line. You yeah. know, um, it is it's definitely you can see why this was the film that he was like, okay, I've done one now, I need a bit of a bigger budget, and this is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Because he's uh, been in this world before. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of which, I know that, like, you know, he had to do a lot of uh, run-and-gun-style filmmaking on this, yeah. on this movie where he's shooting without permits in New York and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was the actor an actual boxer? So I, I don't, I don't know about that. He was, I mean, this is his only feature film role. He, yeah. he did some TV, um, and we're talking um, about Jamie Smith, who plays Davey. Um, he's done some TV, or he did some TV, you know, just before and just after this. Um, but I think he is kind of like a, a semi-professional actor. Maybe yeah. not, you know. I mean, obviously, he didn't get that many roles. Um, but I don't know if he was a boxer. I don't know if that was kind of part of his... So, like, the boxing match isn't a real boxing match that he filmed, right? 
I, I would assume. Is not. it? I think some of it's some of it is shots from day uh, from day of the fight. Oh, it is. Okay, I think so. Um, yeah. But then there's some close-ups, especially like when he gets knocked out, and you yeah. see like the fist. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, you're in the point of view. That shot was really. I really like that shot. Yeah. Um, where he's kind of falling to the canvas. Um, but I think it's kind of intercut between the two. You know, he's using the stuff he's already got, and then for the okay. further out shots and. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean the fight the fight isn't it's not like the best part of the film, I would say. It's not No. It's not something that's like, oh, you know, it's not like yeah. super well photographed. I mean, there's a lot of cool shots, yeah, but it's yeah. not it's not the thing that engaged me the most, that's for sure. No. Yeah. You know. I think it's just it's just the exposition for for Davy. It's just, you know, he's he's kind of on his way out of a bo- as the boxer. This is his hundredth fight. Um, he's kind of ready to, you know, he's not really set the world alight. He's got his friends writing from him. Well, I think it's his uncle yeah. when he's on the yeah. subway writing to him, like, we just miss you, wish you'd come home. You know, he's he's about to end this part of his life, um, yeah. which I liked a lot. And I think that the way that we see New York in this film is very oppressive. Um, so like the fact that, you know, this farm is open and free and, you know, it's it it makes it you understand why he wants to go home after this you know yeah. why that's the yeah. plan yeah you know um which is interesting i wonder if kubrick because he was born in the bronx um obviously brought up in new york spent a you know went to school there and, and started his filmmaking i wonder if he felt subconsciously the same way that he needed to break out from new york and like he had kind of started to outgrow it a little bit I mean, probably. I mean, because by yeah. the time he moves, he moves to London and go, moves out in the country, he just stays there, and he tries yeah. to get further and further away from the cities, and yeah, further and further away from people. Because, like you said, with the with New York in this film, it is. I mean, it's it looks beautiful, especially like the night scenes, but also when Davy's being chased towards the end, the buildings like there is no sky. It's shot uh-huh. so that the buildings take up the whole of the of the shot you know there's yeah davy literally has to climb on top of a building to get away like he has to climb over these buildings to get out of this like dead end you know yeah um which i liked a lot i like that you know city closing in on you um yeah i mean it also adds to to davy and um and gloria the fact that they're pretty much living on top of each other you know their windows are so close yeah um yeah everything is just like tight and compact and um yeah it's 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 a great representation of new york yeah for sure yeah yeah um yeah done in like it almost feels stereotypical but it 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 fresh yeah yeah at the same time fresh yeah um yeah uh yeah i was just all in yeah those the window scenes where they were kind of like looking at each other through the window and then he saw the the attack and him trying to like pull the blind down and it like shoot him <laughs> yeah. back up again. I really like that. And then when he was watching through for the police, um, I really, I really, really, those scenes were some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like there's what, like the shot of just like his eye, eye through yeah. the curtain. Um, yeah. Well, like the eye, his eye and like part of the side of his face. Mm. Like that was, that was a great shot. Yeah. In a moment. Um, yeah, but then yeah, and then after that he's 
you know, starts hanging out with this this girl. Um, yeah, Gloria. Gloria, uh, Irene Kane, and um, you know, tries to find out more about her, more about her life. You know, decides not to ask her why. Um, Vinny, her boss slash boyfriend, I guess. Yeah. Uh, why he, why, um, why, tries not to ask why he was so sorry, which, you know, is like, we never really find out, but it's like, okay, did he like rape her? Like what happened? Did he hit her? Like, you know, we don't know. Cause it's like the last time we see them together, they're like sort of making out. She's not like trying to get away from him, but he's like being very aggressive. And then next thing you know, she's like going home to her apartment and then yeah and then you get the scene where he's like she's screaming and he's yeah. trying to close the blind um yeah. yeah so you never really find out but you know bef- well before i get to to another scene that i really like it it be- i don't know it's like why why does she end up going back later to get her check if he did do something violent or you know what I mean? It's like, why would you go back yeah. there alone? I yeah. mean, she's not completely alone because he's outside. Yeah, he's outside, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Davey's outside while she's trying to get her check. But I don't know. Anyway, it's just something to think about. I guess it doesn't take away from the movie. I think it it, yeah. it the movie benefits from you not knowing too much. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's not really. I mean, it's it is nice to know those things, but it's not like you you understand kind of the relationship that she's in. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, just from what we see. So, so a scene that I really like when uh, Gloria and Davy are getting to know each other. She's feeding them breakfast. Yeah, um, is when he asks her about these two pictures, and she like goes into her life story, um, where she talks about her, her mom and her dad and her sister. Yeah, her sister's a ballet dancer, but for the whole story, it's just a shot. Yeah, of her sister performing ballet while she's telling this whole story, which I thought was amazing. I was like, "This yeah. is such a brilliant way to like, in like keep you engaged, like go into mix another world. Yeah, yeah, mix it up, keep it fresh and interesting as you're going." Um. And that whole story is so dark. It's like the mother dies of childbirth, yeah. you know, giving birth to Gloria. Um, so the father, the, you know, kind of has a bittersweet relationship with her. The father, like, gets sick and dies. The daughter has to quit ballet and marry this rich guy for money. Yeah. And then the and then her sister kills herself, so she's lost her mom, her dad, and her like her sister. Yeah, it was a brilliant way to like tell that story. I was like, man, yeah, this is, is this is cool. This is keeping it real, keeping it fresh. I don't know what do you think. And yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I think um, it is a good way to to have this exposition explained to us, but also have us engaged. For the whole yeah. time, you know, it's it could have been a very static, you know, here's her telling a story, here's him reacting, and 
here's her continuing the story and you know maybe here's a picture of her hands as she should you know it's very it would be hard to kind of keep that entertaining but yeah they do a really good job and and the actress who played the ballet dancer uh well she not really an actress more of a a dancer ruth sabotka um was the second mrs stanley kubrick oh so they were um he was he was married at this point um to somebody else and at this time they were about to get divorced i think um yeah and then he had already met ruth sabotka um and wanted her near him so inserted the scene and shot it within a day so that he would have a reason to have her on set <laughs> nice um i mean yeah so less of a creative decision and more of a Personal, I need this but it woman works. on my um, in yeah. my film. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it works, and it, yeah, and it exactly, tells the story yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those nice little coincidences. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Dropping in with the trivia. Boom! You didn't. Know that. <laughs> um, I think the whole thing. I mean, is you know, with that kind of out of like necessity i guess with wanting to have a close quite a lot of this film is about necessity i mean you know shooting on the streets they didn't have a, a a permit to do it so everything had to be kind of hidden um when we have tracking shots of him running through the streets it was literally just stanley kubrick in the back of a car with his camera pointing out of it recording it yeah. you know there was a lot of stuff where he couldn't he wasn't able to create movement by doing a dolly shot so he just created a way to do it yeah. Because like, I'm just going to go and sit in the back of a car and I'm going to record you run. Um, yeah. Which which does, you know, it, I think Fear and Desire is interesting in terms of it's his first film, but I think this is where you're really seeing that um, creativity flourish and yeah. just, you know, the way around. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know that this was shot for $40,000 as opposed no. to like a couple of million, you know? Yeah. Um. Which is down to definitely him. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's down to the talent of of the filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is his yeah. El Mariachi. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is his uh, yeah low budget make it look much higher budget movie. Yeah. Um, My favorite visual scene is when his um his trainer Albert gets killed. Um I love that mm. like in the in the corner of the of the alleyway and the shadows are you know like ten feet tall and uh just the, the way that they show it and um, with them advancing on him and him trying to get away and then yeah the two guys kind of just walking away putting their hats back on. It's it's great. Yeah, it's a really, really good noir touch. Yeah, and I love, I love the the story element of that scene too because it's just like the classic like mix up kind of situation mm. where it's like, oh no, are yeah. they going to come out and murder Davy? And it's yeah. like, oh no, he he, you know, at just the right moment he gets his uh scarf stolen and he runs off for a second and then his friend shows up and so they think that's Davy. They kill him. Yeah. He comes back. And, and there is a touch of Kubrick's like um maliciousness in there, I think, because just I watched it again, because like you said, it's not very long. It's easy to kind of watch it a few times. 
Um, and just before, and when they're kind of, you know, setting up this plan for Albert to come join them on the phone, he's like, oh yeah, it can't be long because I've got to go meet my wife. Yeah. And I'm like, you didn't have to put that, you didn't have to make him married. Now it's yeah. like the, <laughs> the emotional weight of it is like tenfold, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, well, then uh, Davy just sends him, sends her flowers later and yeah, then, you know, that's it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I got your husband murdered. Here's some flowers. Yeah. I'm, I'm off to the country. <laughs> Bye, New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm off to start my new life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With my uh, soft mouth wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then you get to the ending, which is, uh, you know, kind of creepy on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, creepy. And yeah, it's like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know where it's going. Is but like, especially this moment because it's like, you know, knowing Kubrick's other movies and and usually his endings are kind of dark. You know, not knowing what, where it's gonna go because then yeah, you know, he almost rescues her. Then they they get him, and then she, uh, starts kissing the villain again yeah. and being like, you know, don't kill me, blah blah blah. And you, I mean, I kind of got the sense she was just doing that to save her own skin or kind of just yeah, to buy time or whatever. Yeah. But I still, I was like, I don't know where this is going, you know? Yeah. Um. But the whole last sequence where he's running away, I thought was done really well. Like you were talking mm-hmm. about climbing on the roofs and stuff. The The choices between, like the action goes on for a long time, but the cho- the way that he chooses to switch up the action, I think was done really well because it keeps you engaged. It's like yeah. you get about five minutes of like punching music action, but, and then you get about five minutes of like running on the rooftops with no yeah. sound. And then you get all of a sudden this like totally different sequence where he goes inside this warehouse full of like naked mannequins, yeah. mannequin women, <laughs> man of women <laughs> and, uh, or women's, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> whatever I'm trying to say um, <laughs> I might cut that part out that was dumb <laughs> uh, keep it in that joke didn't land uh, but then uh, yeah so and then like weird music right but then mm-hmm. when they start fighting then the music cuts off and yeah. you just have the sound like this great sound design again of just like Swinging axes and, and yes, yeah. yeah, getting feet and the mannequins getting hit together. Yeah, um, yeah it was just it, it was a it was a great way because because that's a long kind of action sequence, but yeah, but to design like every few minutes, like it's going to change a little bit to keep you engaged was was really yeah. great. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that mannequin factory was just a great setting um, for like this last duel. Because um, there's lots of scenes of people, of like either Davy or Vincent hiding in corners with like these ghastly hands above them, or these faces kind of on shelves behind them, um, and it is very striking. Um, and it, it, that I mean, that's got one of my favorite bits of trivia attached to this: that United Artists, who went ahead and released this and bought it from Kubrick and like released it. And the sensor board had some concerns over the nudity of the mannequins in the climax. They were like, oh, I don't know about that. That's a bit too risky for me. <laughs> and I'm like, 
this world it was ridiculous the yeah. fact that even like mannequins without clothes on it gave them pause for thought it's ridiculous um and did you notice uh, well you might not have done but one of my favorite things about that sequence was how it ended with a homage to one of my favorite people of all time uh i'm gonna uh, uh, that's it. it's tough notice, to yeah. um we talked about it a few weeks ago um when um Davy stabs Vincent. He screams, and we get a close up of the mannequin's face, and then it yes. cuts to the train coming out of the tunnel. Ah, um, which is just like what we talked about a few weeks ago with Hitchcock in the lodger, where that old lady discovers a body and screams, and we see a train coming yes. out of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when good. that happened, I was like, "Nice." Kubrick yeah. either coincidentally had the same brain as Hitchcock. Or he had seen the lodger and liked it and remembered it. Yeah. Um, so that made me very happy. I enjoyed that part. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't make that connection, but that that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, it it definitely th- gave just this super eerie feel, you know. Yeah, like it, it definitely did. I mean, it's yeah. so much. It feels so much more violent than actually showing yeah. it. You know, actually yeah. showing him stab him just to have like the scream with the train on the mannequin's face is like, yeah. it just gives you this feeling of like, Ooh. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. I love the character design for them as well. When they like, when they get deep into the fight and the hair is sticking out, they're covered in like dust and like dirt. And they're just like, you know, going hell for leather at each other. It's uh yeah, it's very realistic, which I like. I mean, it brought up memories um, of another kind of low-budget noir called Detour uh, from 1945, and that is very, very gritty in terms of you know characters and and stuff like this, um, and like at, like the action sequences, um, and I think that like that you can for both of them, you know, they're, they're made on a tight budget, but I think it it excels past that. You're not yeah. watching it thinking oh the you know it's not like the I Love Lucy style. When a door shuts, the the set's shaking. You know, it's still it feels very well put together. Yeah, I just I yeah, I loved it. You liked it it a lot. I thought it good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sold it to United Artists, who Mm -hmm. instantly yeah who bought it for worldwide distribution. Um, And Kubrick said, to the best of my belief, no one at that time had ever made a feature film in such amateur circumstances, and then obtained worldwide distribution for it. Wow. Um, which pretty yeah, because much... I mean, this is the fifty. Yeah, this is. I mean, he. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I mean, was... independent filmmaking didn't really exist in the same way that we know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it opened the doors for so much. I'm sure. You know, yeah. This, I mean, fear and desire wasn't seen by many people, but critically, it was liked, which kind of made him carry on. This, I think, is much more of an audience pleaser. Yes. Um, and kind of got him... He'd done like a critical darling and now he'd done a crowd pleaser. So he was bankable at this point. You know, you could... A, a studio would give him a shot at yeah. making something. I think the way that he got into the business is very interesting um, and different from anybody else. Um, and just shows like his desire to be like i'm gonna be this is what i'm gonna be yeah i'm gonna get into it in any way that i can yeah 
Um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. And the studio are the ones that wanted the happy ending, right? Yes. He wanted, yeah. I, I wonder what he wanted to do. I, I would assume that he would probably just have had him leaving, you know, that ambiguity of like, was she in it for the wrong reasons? Like who was she as a yeah. character, you know? Um, Cause like typical noir probably would have ended like that. She might've been a little bit more, you know, like, I think you should kill him, you know, a little bit more, yeah. I don't know, femme fatale where she's a bit middle of the road in this one. Um, yeah. And they end up together, which is kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. It, I think it changes her character on a rewatch. You know, yeah, there's sure. not so much ambiguity to her anymore. Like you said, like when the first time you're watching, you're like, is she just doing this to like distract him or is she actually, you know, cozying up to him now? On the rewatch, yeah. it's like, okay, she's just doing it to save her skin at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I prefer the happy ending though, just because I, I think, yeah, I think it just contextually with the rest of Kubrick's work, like I said, it, it, it's a relief. It's like, okay, he can do it. Yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't need to do it again. Just show me he can do it. And <laughs> yeah. then let's see what else yeah. he's got, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then I guess this is also the, you know, the rest of his films after this are all based on novels. This was an original screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, um, it does say story by Stanley Kubrick, um, but he w- worked on the script with the guy who wrote Fear and Desire, um, and just kind of start just took full credit for this one. Um, so, way to be. Yeah, yeah, he was like, "This is my movie now," uh, and he never made an independent film again. Everything was never had to finance it himself. Yeah. So, he did it in two short features. He was now on top of the world, <laughs> able to make his own films. Yeah, with a yeah. with a budget. So perfect. Yeah, sweet. Good job, Cubes. Yeah, good one. <laughs> I wonder where it's going to go in our ranking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it has to be above fear and desire. Yeah, yes. It is above fear and desire. Um we decided last week, if you if you listen, not to include the documentaries in the feature films, um just because you know, one or the Seafarers is a director for hire, the other two kind of extensions of what he was doing for a job. Um but we are going to rank through each one. So at the moment, Killer's Kiss is number one, um, and then Fear and Desire number two. Um, I would be interested to see where this... I mean, it's hard because you know what's coming, but I would be interested to see if these are the bottom two come the end. By the end, of yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's um, guess yeah. what each of us rated it. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's not giving too much away that we both put it above Fear and Desire because I don't think we're either either of us too hot on Fear and Desire. Um, But I know you liked it a lot. I'm I'm a bit stumped. I think that you would probably give it a four. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to say you gave it 
a three and a half. It's my instinct. Ooh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I want to make it higher, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's probably lower. <laughs> my heart um, wants it to be higher, but my mind says three and a half. <laughs> um, I gave it a three. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, for the things that I'd already mentioned, I think that some of it is a bit it, like stretched out, um, especially yeah. that opening. I know that we need to see in box and stuff, but it does plod along a little bit. Um, and I, and in terms of like, I know that you liked the ending. I wasn't. I would prefer it to be a bit more ambiguous, personally. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's personal taste. Um, above anything but three out of five is still a good for a low budget you know second feature yeah so what did you <laughs> read it i'm still kind of undecided honestly <laughs> i i want to rate it five just because i really liked it but yeah. then i'm also like but he's also got really other good movies am i really yeah. gonna rate every single thing like five I mean, you know, I anticipate that eighty percent of the films that we watch are going to be five out of five. <laughs> True. I mean, it is I mean, Stanley Kubrick. I know. Yeah, and I think that Kubrick. if you did have that reaction to it, <laughs> that, um, that yeah, why not? You know. Yeah. I you mean, I you. definitely would watch this movie Coops. again. Like, do what? I said, you do you, Coops. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely will watch this movie again. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's five. Sweet. Five out of five. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect Awesome, film. awesome. <laughs> I'm Although, glad you I don't it. think Stanley Kubrick thinks that. No, he was pretty dismissive, you know, uh, with fear and desire, kind of lumped them in together. Yeah. Um. Student level of filmmaking, he says. Yeah. It's not Which I I agree. I mean yeah I mean it's I mean I guess yeah but you can't really tell like I mean it no that's the thing is like when you when you've got the sauce you know it comes yeah. through you know what I mean like um, you can you can tell that it's I would say fear and desire definitely feels student yeah you know but you could still tell there's a, a good filmmaker in there whereas like Killer's Kiss it it I mean. It does not feel like a student film. It feels like no. a film film, you know? Yeah. And I think I've seen a lot worse from from directors who are a lot more seasoned than this, yeah. oh, especially yeah. in the noir genre. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's it's better than he thought it was, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Wow. We did it. Killer's Kiss. So what's next week? So next week we are watching um, one of, honestly, one of my favorite films. Um, really? Yeah, I, I've watched this quite a few times. Always, every time I watch it, I enjoy it a lot. Um, yeah. And is it is The Killing uh, from 1956, the year after this, um, starring Sterling Hayden, um, another noir. Um, but I think in terms of progression. This is going to, we're going to see the biggest jump. Okay, sweet. 
I mean, that, so that seems kind of crazy because it feels like such a big jump from that the last yeah. one to this one. Yeah. Just get ready. I'm, ex- I'm so excited. I nearly picked this <laughs> for our Noir, Noir Vember um, yeah. season that we did. Um, and I'm so glad I didn't so that we can like, so that we could do this Kubrick and talk about it as well. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I'm going to enjoy talking about it a lot. Heck yeah. Cool, man. Heck yeah. I'm excited. Um, well, everyone, I think that brings us to the end of the show. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, TikTok at Film Church Radio. You can follow us individually. <laughs> you can follow us individually uh, on Letterboxd at Selman Scope and at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven. There, you can keep up with what we've been watching, what we've been rating things. Uh, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. So please leave us a rating and review so we know that people are listening. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, let us know what we should watch in the future, what other deep dives we should go into or single-dealer films we should yeah. watch. Um, yeah. Thanks for being here, everybody. Hope to see you next week for the next Kubrick film, The Killing from 1956. The only thing left I've got to say is, please, Lewis, please don't kill me. You said you were mad about me, remember? I'm just an old man and I smell bad. Remember? I didn't mean it. (laughs) All right, y'all. Take a shower and say your film church prayers. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Bye.